There is a palpable feel in this room today. I've been trying to diagnose it. But I can feel it. I don't want anything to be in charge of this room but the Holy Spirit. Are you praying? Are you asking the Lord to bless us in this worship opportunity? Are you asking the Lord to bless you right now that you might serve the purpose that he has you being in here? Are you asking him right now to give you the strength to receive the message that he has for you? Are you asking the Lord to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you. Is that what you're asking the Lord for? Preaching from the pulpit is powered by praying from the pews. Help me, Lord, to receive what you want me to have and give what you want me to give. That's not just a prayer for me. That's a prayer for everybody in here. But this is a united worship experience. I need you. Prayerfully, you'll have something that I'm trying to, to help you with. And today, I'm asking Moses to show us some of the problems that he had. See what we can learn from Moses and his struggles. Y'all know Moses. Moses is famous for a lot of reasons in the Bible. He's famous because his family was under assault when he was born. Under assault from a dictator who was intimidated by all of the young Hebrews who he thought might grow up and do harm to his kingdom. And so he issued an edict to kill them. And Moses' mama did what mamas do. She found a way to keep her baby safe. And she put him in a basket, floated him down the river. And it just so happened that the river she floated him down spilled into the pool beside the palace. And Pharaoh's daughter happened to be out there bathing when this basket came sliding in with the baby. And the baby became Pharaoh's daughters. She raised him in the temple as her own baby. That's Moses, raised in the palace, 
but the son of a pauper. It's Moses. But Moses got about 40 years old and the true hymn started spilling out. He saw how hard his people were living. And something was pricked in him. And he said he couldn't tolerate it. And one day, this 40-year-old prince saw an Egyptian guard beating a Hebrew worker. And Moses ran to his defense. And in his defense of this man, he killed him. Knowing that he would face retribution for killing an Egyptian on behalf of a Hebrew, he ran to the desert. And it was in the desert that he learned what God's purpose was for him. It's Moses who was raised in privilege, trying to help somebody. He hurt somebody. And so he ran to protect himself, and he was in the desert in the next phase of his life for 40 more years. So he lived in Pharaoh's temple for 40 years. And then he went and stayed in the desert for 40 years. And he met, he met a bush that was burning, that wasn't consumed. Found out that it was God in that bush. And God was commissioning him to do a great work, a work that nobody could even imagine. He said, Moses, I want you to go back to the place you ran away from 40 years ago. And he said, I want you to lead my people out of there because I've heard their, cry, their cries. Pharaoh is too hard on them. And Moses, this 80-year-old man at that time, you would think after 80 years he would have some courage about him after the life that he'd lived. But that wasn't the case. And Moses said to God, starting in chapter 3 at verse 11, who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, this is God, certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, behold, when I come unto the children of Israel and say unto them, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, and they shall look at me and say to me, what's his name? What am I supposed to say to them? And God said to Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, just tell them. I am, has sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt, shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me unto you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial unto all generations. Moses is 80 years old. And he's uncertain of himself. He's not sure that he can go in and do the job that God has for him to do. He's struggling. But Moses isn't the only one that struggles. There's a whole lot of us go through life struggling. Yeah. One of the greatest struggles that most of us face in our lives, I bet you'll agree with me, 
is that we're not comfortable in our own skin. In fact, almost to a person in here, at some point in your life, you've had some level of insecurity about who you are. Insecurity is a big problem in our culture. Sometimes we can be insecure from childhood experiences. Sometimes just the critical nature of the culture that we live in can make us uncertain about who we are and what we're supposed to do. Just look at how people talk about other folk. You turn on the TV and you'll walk away thinking that no one is worthy to do anything. Everybody has a say-so on everybody else. So I want to talk to you today about insecurity because I think insecurity fuels a whole lot of the problems we have. In fact, insecurity will send you to the, into the house, send you into the back room of the house, and you'll turn out all the lights trying to figure out who you are and what's going on. Facing insecurity is something important for us because a person who's secure within himself or herself is much more likely to achieve solid relationships with other people, meaningful relationships. When you're insecure, it makes it difficult for you to show love and also to receive love. So today, I want to show you how we can be more secure in our own selves because I want you to be able to receive the love that God has for each one of us. And the problem with not loving yourself is when we don't love ourselves, we struggle realizing or understanding how God could possibly love us. And when we struggle with trying to realize how God loves us, it just upsets the whole apple cart. We can't work, we can't serve, there's no place in ministry we fit, and all of it stems from how we think about ourselves. We might point the finger at other people. We may say they're the problem, or I'm upset with them, but the true problem we're having is we just don't know about ourselves. We're struggling with who we are. It doesn't matter how many good things God has allowed us to do, we still struggle. What makes people this insecure? Some of you are hearing me right now and knowing that you struggle with this, and yet you would deny it simply because you don't want anybody else to know you struggle with it. Everybody thinks they have to project this strong front, be aware of who they are and know what life is going to bring them. And I came to tell you this, every one of us struggles with this. Some of it comes from our upbringing, all right? Not being brought up in a nurturing environment can make you doubt who you are. Somebody tells you you're dumb or nothing or not going to be anything every day, even though you see yourself achieving and succeeding, it still puts a seed of doubt in you. You're just not able to move forward. Some of it has to do with uh, parents playing favoritism or maybe not even knowing who your parents are and wondering what it is about them that would make them not want to love or know you. Some people go through that. 
Some people waste their entire adulthood trying to figure out what went wrong in childhood. Never being able to enjoy childhood or adulthood because of the struggles you've had. The sad thing about it is the people who put you in that mindset, some of them have been gone to glory and you can never get the answer to those questions no matter how much you try. And so you find yourself in a loop trying to figure it out and no one can give you those answers. Not anyone on this side of heaven anyway. You've got to look to a higher, more powerful source in order to find out where you fit in and who you belong to. Some people have had a tragedy earlier in their life and that tragedy has left you skittish for the remainder of your life. Maybe you lost somebody close, maybe your mother or your father, the person who you think would have filled in that space and been able to give you that special nurturing that you think you're missing. But if you are careful enough in your inspection of your past, and if you know how to analyze it, you'll see that God actually did put somebody in place to fill that role. I used to tell people after my mama died, and I was failing, I was 30 when mama died, 30 or so when mama died, and I used to say, now I have mama by committee. Because I have different people in my life who fill in different aspects of my mama's personality, and I can go to them for those aspects of personality. Not one person has it all, that was Doris. Yeah, but I see a little bit of Doris in you, and a little bit of Doris in you, and that works out pretty good for me. And I guarantee you, if you go back and peel the layers back on your life, somebody's been filling that role when you look at it. Some people have had big failures in their lives, and it's just messed you up. Big failures, hurricanes have torn up your whole, all that progress you made, the house you hoped for, and suddenly it's gone. And not only is it gone, I found out that that low-rate insurance that I had to buy didn't cover everything that I needed it to, and I'm just having trouble. I met a guy yesterday that I had not seen in almost 40 years since we left Tuskegee. And we embraced one another as long lost friends. Somebody I used to hang out with. It seemed like you used to hang with everybody when you were in school in that setting, you know. And, and then that's because the nature of the environment was such that you spent intimate time with people. And you, you might only see them, you know, three times a semester. But when we talked, we talked a lot. And so we felt like we knew one another. But this guy and I were in ROTC. And, uh, Gave each other a big bear hug. There was a lot of that going on yesterday. And I said, man, so how are you going? How is everything? And he said, he said, it's going pretty good. He said, I had a nasty divorce a few years ago. And he said to me that it upended me. And he said, and because of that, I've been working in Afghanistan the past three years. And I thought to myself, my God, you left the whole country because of this. You left everything you had because of this. And he was leaving, he's going back to Afghanistan soon. And I thought about how incidents in life can just mess you up. All that he had known 
big failure, financial collapse. He had it all together. It's as if it was a con condensed form, all because love didn't live there no more, as the song said. So I pray for him, and I told him that. And pray that he can get back on track at this point in his life. And so you say, how do I know if I have this insecurity? And so I'm going to give you a list of characteristics. And you need to be honest with yourself now. You need to be honest with yourself because these are designed sort of as a litmus test, a test for you to identify whether or not you are what I would call an insecure-aholic. All right, an insecure-aholic, all right? I should tell you this, one of the great signs of being an insecure-aholic is refusing to admit it. It's one of the greatest signs. Refusing to admit that you're struggling and suffering with this is one of the greatest indicators. I'm telling you, this is a safe space in this sanctuary. You don't have to be ashamed to admit it. You don't have to be afraid to admit it. But let's look at some of these signs. The first thing you need to know is um, that you might be an insecure-holic is I may be too defensive. I may be too defensive when people come to me and they tell me things, things that could be beneficial to me in my life. I struggle with them. There's a whole lot of people in the Bible who struggle from insecurity as evidenced by their defensiveness. Noah, Abraham, Gideon, the 10 spies, Elijah, the best example is Saul. He's a textbook example on a case of insecurity. Whenever he was approached by the prophet Samuel in scripture, he was defensive. Whenever. He never received what the prophet brought to him for his benefit. He always had a reason why he didn't have to do what God told him to do. That's the reason God took his hand of protection and his spirit from him because he kept pouring in and it kept spilling out. So hear me now, there are people in your life who keep trying to come into your life and tell you things that are helping you. And you keep rejecting them and pushing them back because you think you know it all about you. The only problem is God has given you other people to help you. You need to learn and be receptive in receiving what God has. I don't care how old you are. You don't ever get to a point in life when the birthday validates and guarantees that you know it all. Other people can know about you what you don't know because they're observing you from a different perspective. And if they approach you in the right spirit, pray that the Lord will let you be receptive to what they're bringing you. You need to pray that you have somebody in your life who's gonna tell you when you're messing up. Don't be defensive about everything. The greatest example of Saul's insecurity was his paranoia 
about David. Look at this now. Two things you should know. He was the king. He wasn't half king or the, or the maybe king. He was the king. God was taking care of him. Yet when he discovered that David would be his, the one to follow him, he, David, lost his mind. Could not see anything but David coming up the rear. And so anytime David, and David had made a vow that he would never harm Saul. That's why Saul's son loved him so much. Because he knew that David had a pure heart and would not harm his father. And David did that until the day, look at this now, this is a timely subject, that Saul took his own life. The paranoia led to so many other things, and Saul ended up taking his own life, committed suicide on the battlefield. And so ask yourself, do I have a tendency toward defensiveness when other people try to share the word of God with me? When somebody, if somebody you don't know comes to you and tries to tell you about loving the Lord, do you get defensive and think, what you doing? You think I don't know the Lord? What are you doing trying to proselytize me? Maybe they're just trying to give you a word of encouragement for the day. It's not that they don't think you know anything. It's just that they don't think you have what you need at that moment. And that may be the case. But you've got to be willing to receive that. Can I stand to have my opinion challenged? Can other people know more about a subject matter than I do. If I think myself, if I crown myself as an expert, can there be others who are also knowledgeable in that arena? Am I too defensive? The next thing you might have to study is maybe I'm just too selfish. I may be too, too selfish. And because I'm so selfish, it locks in and makes me insecure about things. I'm selfish. Look at this, Luke 16 and 14. The Pharisees, and then the scripture says, who loved money? Who loved money? That's the description of the Pharisees by Luke. And then Jesus tells the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. The Pharisees who loved money. Can I tell you something, church? Don't try to find security in your life by surrounding yourself with possessions or adulation or accolades or attaboys. Don't try to find security in that because just as sure as you're sitting here, the day is going to come when people will not cheer you. Just as sure as you're sitting here, the day is going to come when no one knows nor cares who you are, what you've done, what you've contributed. Yesterday, I was under a tent full of men who have achieved a whole lot in life. And yet, where there should have been balance and equality, I introduced myself to someone 
and they said, hello, I'm Dr. Thomas. And I said, what? <laughs> and the Donnell in me <laughs> stayed sitting down. <laughs> but I wanted to say, brother, we all got doctors under this tent. But what's your name? Who are you? Because you ain't doctor 24-7. Sometimes we wear those achievements around ourselves like a glow. And no one can ever enter the glow unless we deem them worthy enough to enter into the glow and it's intimidating and we got this place on the rock, I'm on this campus that we call The Rock. That's where all the alphas gather to talk about stuff that shouldn't be talked about. And honestly, <laughs> to, to whisper and gossip and do stuff that folks do on college campuses. It's the hangout spot every day. Where you going? To The Rock. That's where everybody would go between classes. And we were standing on The Rock and people were coming up and shaking hands and I walked up um, after The Rock, I mean after the football game, to the rock to see some folk. And somebody said, Judge! And I said, brother, ain't no judges at the rock. <laughs> Just brothers. Just brothers, put all them titles in your pocket and go sit down somewhere. Maybe it'll help your 401k, but it won't help you right here on the rock. Let's put things in perspective. We can't always be that. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, some folk always got to wear that. But if you're selfish enough and you think you got to have the light all the time, then you don't know how to put that down. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not bragging on me. That's just how I think. I don't think I have to always be on like that. I think I can just be done ill sometimes. I crave for just being done ill sometimes. I just don't want folk to always think I'm judged everywhere I go because I don't want to be. That's a job. And it ain't even fun to be that everywhere you go. You know what I'm talking about, judge. Yeah, sometimes I just want to hang out and sit in a restaurant with my wife and, and you know, and make a mess and get stuff on my clothes, which is going to happen. I, I just... You, are you reluctant to share stuff with folks? Are you? Do you cringe when somebody else get praised and you don't? Is it hard for you to clap for folk when you see them get something? I tell folk all the time, you got two jobs. Maybe today your job is to stand up and smile and receive, but the other day your job is to clap and cheer. Somebody else's job. You're going to spend more time clapping and cheering for other folk because nobody, nobody wants to always see somebody else get all the accolades. That's just human nature, but you still have to learn how to, you know, your days might come further apart than other folk. It seems like they keep showing up and getting the accolades and the attributes that you wanted. They get it more frequently, but that doesn't mean your day is never coming. You got to learn how not to be selfish, and I think we've forgotten what it is to be selfish. And we couch it in this false this false theology where we throw a few religious words out on folk. I'm praying for you. 
God bless you inside. You're mad. You're green. You're jealous. But you covered it up. Not for real, because God knows your heart. Are you selfish? Nobody can answer that question in here but you. Nobody. When you don't get your way, are you difficult to live with? Ask yourself. Ask yourself. I may be too defensive. I may be too selfish. And maybe I accommodate people too much. I accommodate people too much. This is a sign of my insecurity. Yeah. People start asking, what are we going to do? And the first thing we say is, I can do whatever. I'm, I'm good with whatever. No, you have, a, you have an opinion. Express your opinion. It, it may not win out in the end, but you have an opinion. Don't always give in to what other folk want to do. The Apostle Paul was writing to the church of Galatians, and they had fallen prey to false teachers. And the reason they fought, fell prey to false teachers was because they weren't secure in their knowledge of Scripture. And when you're not secure in what you know, you'll listen to what other folks say and think it's better than what you got. That's why you got to know what you know about your relationship with the Lord. Look, 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 look. This, is, this is what Paul, he said, do you think I'm trying to make people accept me? This is what Paul wrote. He said, no, God is the one I'm trying to please. Am I trying to please people? If I still want to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul said. He was not an accommodating preacher or teacher. He just told it like it, it was. Deal with it is what he said. Now that can have a harsh edge sometimes. But he was trying to get people to accept a new way of living. And he was not going to accommodate lesser messages and and make them equate with what he was saying. The big problem today is if you don't successfully manage your insecurities, then you can be easily manipulated by other folks. Be careful with all this stuff you're listening to online. All right? All the bells and whistles might not be a front for good doctrine. Somebody ought to say amen. Yeah, just because they got a big, pretty church don't mean they're telling you the truth. Doesn't mean that. Yeah, money can hide a multitude of sins. And so you say, how can I recognize this for myself? Do you attempt to gain the approval of others by bending over backwards to please them? Is that what you do? Yeah, I'm not just talking about being nice. That's different. I'm talking about going so far that people won't ever be upset. Maybe this is part of your insecurity. All right. Do you have a difficult time saying no to people when they ask you to do something because you feel they won't love you if you don't do what they ask you to do? You got to learn how to say no when it's good for you and for your family. All right. So I might be too defensive, I might be too selfish, I might accommodate people too much, or maybe, maybe I indulge in behavior that's unhealthy because of my insecurities, all right? Addictive behavior. I indulge in it. It's bad. All the issues. Now, we can go across the spectrum of activities that are bad. Perhaps it's a weight problem. Perhaps it's a drug problem. Perhaps it's a, a, any other substance abuse problem. Maybe I'm a cussaholic. I mean, there's a whole lot of things. 
that can put me in the space. Maybe I gossip too much. Yeah, maybe I find myself worth from knowing everybody else's business. That can be a problem. That can be a problem. Maybe, just maybe, I tend to other folk business so much and not my own. Maybe. Maybe I, sh I shower other people with love and yet I deny my family the same. Maybe, maybe that's unhealthy behavior. That's unhealthy behavior. Maybe I grumble too much about the job I pray for. Do you indulge yourself in bad attitudes, jealousy, envy, bitterness? Is that a part of who you are? All of this can stem from just not being certain who you are. And that brings us to the next thing. I may be too judgmental. I'm too judgmental. Being negative or critical about everything, everybody. Not constructively critical. Not trying to help them get better or move to a different level. But perhaps I just talk about folk negatively when I see it. It, just, it ain't the color I like. He's handsome. Yeah, he is, but he's short. <laughs> She's cute. Yeah, but her eyebrows too thick. <laughs> I mean, we just got to come up with something. <laughs> it just got to be something. We, too judgmental. Are you consistently finding fault in other people? Do you struggle with that? If you do, you need to explore these things because they are not healthy and they make it hard to deal with you. Good news is you don't have to result to these bad behaviors. You can strengthen yourself in a strong relationship with the Lord. You can strengthen yourself by learning who you are in him. Look, one of my favorite scriptures is this. The Lord God, your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love, and he will rejoice over you with singing. Zephaniah 3 and 17. He will delight in you. Maybe there's somebody here who grew up not feeling love. You don't feel special. Nobody's ever made you feel treasured. I've always said that every child needs to be spoiled a little bit. They need to know the feeling of being spoiled. We simply don't need to spoil them rotten, all right, because then they grow up to be rotten adults. And that's hard to deal with. But we need to have people who know that they are special. And I think if we go back to the speaker who was here before me, that if we do that more, we'd have less problems. We can catch other issues. We won't catch all of them. We won't. We won't. There's going to be some issues, but we'll catch more of them. If we are deliberate about letting people know we care, we love them, what's going on with them matters to us, then we'll have less issues. But if you're here today and you don't feel like you've been loved, then I'm standing today as God's spokesman. And I'm asking you to receive the love that God has given to you. You may not have even known he blessed you with this love. You may not have even understood that before you were even you, he had already sent an expression of love for you. You are 
are loved. You can beat feeling insecurity. You can beat that. You can beat worry. You can get out of debt. There's no circumstance that you find yourself in that is permanent and lasting. It can all change quickly. Don't make permanent decisions based on temporary circumstances. You can develop a discipline in your life. You can develop a discipline and spend time in the word and in prayer. All these things are conquerable. But it's only if you align yourself with the power that can help you do it. If you've been failing doing it by yourself, then that's probably evidence that you need somebody else in your life. Things you've been struggling with, I believe I got somebody who's good for helping you deal with every one of them. I'm suggesting that you try Jesus. I'm suggesting that you try someone who can help anybody, who loves everybody. Too much of our thinking is negative and the opposite of what I'm trying to tell you right now. It's not, it's not uplifting, it's not encouraging. I don't often agree with what Joel Osteen says, I'll tell you that right now. But I love the fact that he's positive. I love the fact that he's always expressing to someone that God loves them. Because it's absolutely true that God loves each of us and does not mean harm for any of us. I know life is hard, I know that, I know it. But look at this, we know that Romans 8 and 28 said, even the bad stuff that goes on in our lives can be made to work out for our good. Even the negative stuff can turn into something good for us. And that's one of my favorite verses because it tells me when I mess up, God can take my mess ups and still make them dress my life up. I love that about him. And so here you go, your remedy for insecurity, admit you got the feelings, set a goal to move beyond those feelings, change the image of yourself. You gotta stop seeing yourself negatively. And then you gotta learn how to overcome your doubt of the scripture. God's word is what it says. He's good and he's good for you. And you say, how can I be sure that God loves me all the time? even in the hard times. How can, how can I know that? And I'll give you one great way. God just didn't talk about his love for you. He proved his love for you. He didn't just give lip service. He gave his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. He died for you. His son died for you. But he didn't stay dead. The same son who God loved he sent to die for you and me. And on the third day after his death, he loved him enough to resurrect him and put life in him. Jesus went through the hardest time so that you and I could be saved. That's how much I know God loves me. If you've never tried him before, then I extend this invitation to you right now to accept the gift of salvation that he has given to you. Jesus has already secured a way for you. All you need to do is follow his example. While the choir stands to sing this song, 
Today is the day that you leave your insecurities behind and you secure yourself to Jesus Christ. Come on now. We, we offer Christ.